The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Well, my name is Dave Parton, the pastor here at Neighborhood Church, and and Rivers did such an amazing job this morning setting up the sermon. I almost feel like we could just hang out while the kids are in Sunday school. <laughs> we just like talk. It's like that's exactly where we're going today. Mercy and how does it? What does it mean to receive and to give it? Um, before we get into the sermon today, I do want to just a couple just housekeeping things. One is uh, in the fall uh, we want to offer a, a gospel class. We want to offer a class uh, for students um, that have made a decision to follow Christ or uh, are currently considering that, or uh, students that desire baptism. Uh, and, the, and, and, and this is kind of the season where we'd start doing that. But I need to know if there's any students, any kids in your families that are, would be interested in that class. Um, because if it's just one or two students, then I can just meet with them individually. But if it's a, if it's a, it's a larger group, then we should you know, offer that class. So see me after church today. It'll also be reminded to you in the announcements. Um, but yeah, if that's something that's interested for your, your kid or your family, want to know more about what it means to be a Christian, um, come see me and, and, and we'll start getting that class set up if there's enough uh, for an entire class. Um, so let's pray before we get into the word each Sunday morning. Uh, we want to pray and ask that the Holy Spirit aligns us and that it's his power that, that moves us. Father, we thank you for your word. We uh, want to just daily um, know that it's a, it's a lamp. It lights uh, the right direction for living. It is the right way to live, and it takes a long time to get through it and to fully understand it. It takes a full lifetime, uh, multiple lifetimes, I'm sure, to, to, to grasp it to the level that we would truly understand what you want. But each Sunday, Father, as we just take a passage, as we take just one section of your word, that we would um, um, listen to it, um, take a step in a direction to follow you, that we would uh, be aligned to the kind of things that you tell us that are best, that we would accept discipline when we've fallen short. Um, and Father, we are here to remember, and it's in your name. Amen. Um, I don't know how your, your week was. Um, my week had some, had, was one of those kind of roller coaster weeks. And when you write a sermon about forgiveness and you're experiencing not forgiving somebody and then forgiving somebody and not forgiving somebody, it kind of puts you on a roller coaster, if you will. So even as I share today, there's a lot of the things um, that I have experienced throughout the week. And maybe that's what God does to us when we teach Sunday school or we, or we preach sermons is like, be careful which topic you preach because God's probably going to give you some experiences throughout the week to help you teach that better. And I can for sure say this is um, part of my week. But all that to say is I am experiencing uh, receiving and, and giving mercy. Uh, to start with, I just want to let you guys know there's a black Bible around you. If you need a Bible or if you'd like a Bible or you know somebody who needs a Bible, that Bible is free for you to take. Feel free to write in it this morning if you'd like. We'll be on page 823. We are in Matthew chapter 18 verses 21. So we are working our way through the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to try to do it in two years, so got a little more time to finish up. Jesus has been teaching a ton, and we're trying to keep up with, with uh, each lesson. I feel like there's 
a month, if not a year's worth of work each lesson, but we move on to the next section each week uh, just so we can get a better grasp of, of the overall gospel of Matthew. Matthew is writing to tell the people that the kingdom of God is here, and Jesus is this king, and we're going to be looking, we have been looking at throughout this series. And today we're going to be studying, um, in, your, in your Bible, it'll say the parable of the unmerciful servant or the parable of the unforgiving servant. So we're going to use the word mercy and forgiveness kind of interchangeably this morning. The idea of mercy is it's forgiveness shown towards someone whom it's within one's power to actually punish them if desired. So it's withholding punishment when you would actually have the authority or the right to punish. So mercy is forgiveness when you could harm or punish. But you don't, right? You forgive, and that is, the, that is mercy. And that's kind of the theme of what we're going to be talking about today. And my hope is that you will see freedom in living a life receiving and giving mercy to people, not holding on to those things. So let's go ahead and read the passage all the way through before we study it. Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold, and with his wife and children, all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him all the debt. Verse 28. But when he gave that same servant... When, he, when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down, pleaded with him, have patience with me, I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw that what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master, that's the king. All that had taken place. When his master summoned him and said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Then his master summoned him and said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers, jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So there's this king, right? And there's this servant, and there's this fellow servant. We're going to be looking at how Jesus uses this story to better teach us about mercy. Over the past couple years, you've probably heard myself and Joel and Eric bring up this specific parable prior to actually running into this parable in Matthew. It is, um, so you guys know, for me, it's a parable that will probably continue because it's one that's impacted me one of the most in my lives. I, I really under, understand the, uh, the reason behind um, um, me needing to read it probably monthly. 
because of how God's designed me, withholding on to things. And I've shared that in some sermons in the past. I, I tend to be one who holds on to things too long. In this, this parable, um, because I'm your pastor, like will continue to show up even when it's not in line in the scriptures. But when you run into it, it's like one of those days, like, I get to preach on the parable I always talk about. You know, it's like one of those days for me that I get to preach on the thing that I, that I reference all the time. And it's not because I figured it out. It's because I need to hear it all the time. And maybe for you this morning, this is similar. This parable is about how to live rightly with each other. My hope is that it will be a staple story for us as a community. The main idea here comes with the assumption that we are going to hurt each other. We are not neighborhood church, the church that's never hurt each other. That is never going to be the church that we go to. And you know why? Because we're people, and we're selfish, and we're in constant need of grace. And when we fail... It's like the greeting card that has the two porcupines hugging, right? Like, that's the church. Have you guys ever got that? I seem to get all those on my anniversary. Like, just to let you know, that, like, that's like my, that, that's my rhythm, right? I'm, I'm the two porcupines that hug, but we love to hug, right? And I hope for you that this question that Peter starts with, it's not, if my brother sins against me. You guys see that? If a human being hurts me at some point, right? One day, if somebody accidentally does something wrong to me and bothers me, like, that's not the question. When you are sinned against is what we're talking about today, anticipating that people are going to rub you the wrong way, do things intentionally and unintentionally to hurt you. But what are we going to do as a people? What are we going to do as a people who live with other people who just mess up, right? How are we going to live as a, a spiritual family when people in our family aren't perfect? Because if we were, all of us know none of us could join, right? Amen. So these are the types of questions that we want to seek here at our church. We don't just want to learn Jesus was a nice guy. He did some great things. God created a pretty sweet earth that we can enjoy when we go to Colorado and the beach, right? This is a church where we're going to talk about things like what happens when people mess with our joy, when people screw up around us, when people intentionally hurt us. And this is why we love the Bible, because the Bible isn't a fluffy book. The Bible is a book that says, hey, when people mess up around you, this is how you can move on and not be trapped in jail and resentment. The questions in this life that really matter are posed by Jesus' disciples. And Jesus answers questions that really matter, like the one today. And I believe Jesus wants to bring joy and freedom in your life. And I, I believe that there's many in the room today, like myself, struggle. And that's why this is such a long parable. Because I think Jesus really wanted us to grasp this and knows that lots of human beings struggle when people hurt them. Today as I speak, 
and this is, this is the part of any time that you do work on our soul, is deep wounds come up. Like when I pose a question that I will go ahead and do right now, who has hurt you that you haven't forgiven? I didn't want to come to church and answer that question, Dave. Who wants to come to a place with friends and answer that question? Who has hurt you that you haven't forgiven? That's a deep wound. Most of us have at least one of those. For many people, the biggest problems in this world, it's caused by pain from others. So when people ask Jesus, the creator of the world, the creator of humanity, the creator of these relationships, how do I deal with this? I think we should listen this morning. This event that happened 2,000 years ago between a human and a human God, it's just as relevant as it is today. My, my hope today is that you will experience freedom and forgiveness and start those steps. So let's get in the text. Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him as many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. So Peter's asking a question here and maybe thinks that he actually is like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get like some brownie points with Jesus right now. You know, it's like, what about seven? Like being wrong seven times and I'm still like, I'm, yeah, forgiveness seven times, you know? He thinks, because that's, nice, that's a nice complete answer, right? The, word, the number seven in the Bible is like this complete, like, yeah, seven's good. That sounds like you're getting walked on a little bit, right? Like, a little, like you're, you're a floor mat after seven times somebody's wronged you intentionally, and you keep going, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. That's a lot, that's a lot. But what does Jesus do? He's like, well, actually, what if you take that complete number, Peter, you multiply it by a complete number times 10. That's like Jackson, my, my first grader. He's like, infinity times infinity plus one, dad. Like, that's kind of what Jesus is saying here. It's a big number. So big that he goes in to explain it in the parable. So if you had on your refrigerator... Because you read this passage, and, or you thought this, and you had like a little checkbox of forgiveness number one, forgiveness number two, and then you hear Jesus' answer, and you're like, okay, let me add a few more, and your list gets really long, forgiveness number 41, <laughs> forgiveness number 42, and you think that's what the parable is teaching, then I'm glad you came today, because there's no piece of paper long enough, right? That's what we're going to find out today. We're going to look at this parable in three sections, um, the king's forgiveness section, then the servant's unforgiveness and judgment, and thirdly, the king's judgment. 1823, therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle one, was brought to him, who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold, his wife and children, and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him, forgave the debt. 
So I just want to begin with saying this is like this exaggeration type parable. So please don't use parables for every single thing that Jesus says is like this is now um, the book of law or the Ten Commandments. He's trying to give us a story here. So everything's kind of embellished. Everything's kind of, kind of large. And I want you guys to kind of see that this way because one example is, as Kent Hughes just shares in his commentary, that there is no servant or slave that could amass such a debt as what's explained here. Secondly, there's no king that would have a servant that he would just say, okay, you don't need to pay that. And there was no servant that after that happening to him would go and just start choking a buddy, right? But for the story, it makes sense in another realm. And the realm is our lives. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. The characters, anytime you read a parable, it's kind of like, who is what, you know, is, is who's the king, who's this or that. So the king, just guess who the king is, just guess. God, that's a good Sunday school answer, perfect, nailed it. The king's servant, who's the king's servant? Us, or Peter, right, you, 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 right, us, me, right. It's the, it's the person that's trying to deal with the situation, right. And then there's the fellow servant that we're going to read out in a second, and that's all other people. Okay, that's all other people. So there's something very important that we have to learn in this very first section about us and God. And that is that we're in debt. This number, 10,000 talents. You can do some math and figure out what that is. You know, it's lots, it's lots and lots of money. Here's the, here's the thing I learned this week. In their day, in the Greek number system, 10,000 was their largest number. They didn't need a number bigger than that. They didn't have Excel documents, right? Like that was, their big, that was their biggest number, right? And then the talent was their largest currency, right? So like the, the, the 500 or the 1,000 euro, whatever that currency is in, in your mind, whatever that thing is, right? So um, think of your biggest number, Google. I don't know what your biggest number would be. Multiply that by the biggest bill that you can think of, and that's how much money you owe or the servant owes, Right? So that's what Jesus is doing here. And we're just going to use the word zillion. We use that in my house sometimes. It's, infinity's bigger than zillion, but zillion's kind of like the top because there's no letters after Z, I guess. Right? So we're going to go with zillions. So how can this guy pay back zillions? Zillions, right? Well, the second thing is I want to ask, what does it say about God and us is, where in the world did this debt of zillions even come from? So I'm going to take it to our realm, out of the parable for a second, because it's speaking to our spiritual deficiency with God. Our spiritual debt, what we owe, or what we would need to repay back to God for all the wrong things that we have done to restore our relationship. And you may think this is like, that seems like a lot. Like, I've actually, some of you in the room, maybe in your 20s, you're like, I've only lived like 27 years. Like, zillions? Really? Okay, so one, one thing that helps, has helped me with this um, uh, is that the punishment of your wrong doesn't just have to do with your wrong, okay? But what it has to do with is who you wronged. So let's play this out. So um, we'll start here with Jaime. 
if I punch Jaime, right, he's a pretty big guy, but we're kind of peers, and I might run a little bit, and three of you might jump on me and might fire me. Like, there'd be some issues a little bit, but mostly it would be like, don't do that, Dave, <laughs> right? But then say a police officer drives by the front of the school, and I see him, like, hold, hold on, guys, and I just punch a cop in the face. Like, there's a little bit more punishment. Okay, what about this? I go to court for punching the cop because he came to check on me because I punched Jaime in the face, right? And the judge says, how do you plea? And I walk up to the judge, and I punch the judge in the face. Now, this is a KC star would love this story, right? So, so I punch, right? But then, then, okay, then, because it's this national thing, Donald Trump comes to check out this case. He walks in the room, and I'm like, all right, I just go punch Donald Trump right in the face, right? So do you guys see the difference? My punch is pretty weak, right? But it de didn't depend on the punch. It depended who I punched. Does that make sense? All right, so we're just going to back to spiritual indebtedness of zillions, right? We wrong each other, and that's pretty bad. When we wrong the authority of the God of the world, it's in the zillions. Does that help a little bit? Okay, so that's what we're talking about today, the spiritual debt of wronging God as created beings. We're created in his image to be perfect and to display him perfectly, but we do not do that. We call that sin. We miss the perfect mark as a people. Because we do that, and God in his perfect justice, he can't let that run rampant. He has to actually punish that. The punishment comes from the amount of debt, like what the cost is, and it must be paid. The beautiful story is, is Jesus Christ paid that debt. The zillions was paid for by Jesus. We cannot pay it back. We can beg and beg for more time. We cannot pay it back. The servant could not pay back all that debt to the king. The people listening to the parable knew it was impossible. So, point number one today. We have a large, unpayable debt on our own. Next in the story, we learn that the debt is finally called. So there's a debt of zillions, and the king says, it's now time to pay it back. And the king's servant only has one play. Mercy, king. And what does he ask for? Just some time. He says, will you be patient with me? It's kind of a humble, respectful thing. He didn't ask for a clean ledger. He just says, give me some time to pay it back. And how does the king respond? Well, he had compassion, mercy, and forgiveness. If any one of you guys owed me a million bucks and you said, just give me some time, I wouldn't believe any of you. I know you guys. You ain't got no million dollars. <laughs> I don't think you do. I'm kind of looking at you guys like, I got to hang out. You know? So this is zillions. This is zillions. All you can do is beg for some time and mercy. And what does the king do? Forgiven. 
So if we've learned that we have this large unpayable debt, what we've learned about God is he is compassionate and forgiving. He wants the debt to be gone. Amen? We have a God who wants the debt to go away. And as I just shared, he does that through the death and the resurrection of his own son that he sent for us. It's the good news of the gospel. It's why I hope you're here this morning to remember this. To remember this. So point number two, when we humbly confess, he forgives. Number one, we have a debt. It's large, unpayable. Number two, when we humbly confess, he forgives. We know this is true because we know the whole story. We know that Jesus isn't just a teacher. He's actually going to be the lamb, the sacrifice, the one who says, God, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Punish me instead. Anyone who confesses Jesus as Savior and Lord, the zillions will be repaid. The adoption cost for you to go from a peasant to live inside the kingdom is zillions. Jesus paid it. He spent his life so that you can have a relationship with God. So moving on, this king's servant who was released from this unpayable debt because of the mercy and forgiveness of his, of his king, he's released and he's free. And just stop for a second. Let's think of the weight lifted off this guy's shoulders. And the only way I can think about this is if um, right now, just picture this. this for some of you, this will be like really nice. Like for myself, it's the same. You get home from church and you get a phone call from your largest credit card. And they're like, today's your lucky day. We've decided to choose you to get zeros. You have a zero balance today. And you're like, hey, honey, guess what? Oh, my gosh. But guess what? A minute goes by. The next credit card calls. And they go, guess what? You've been selected. And this goes on through all of your credit cards. And guess what happens after that? Your school loan, right? Any school loan people in here? I'm one of those. They're like, hey, guess what? You've been selected. Your balance is zero today. And you're like, oh my goodness, this is just getting, oh my. We're not done yet. Your, your mortgage loan company calls you and says, you own your house today. It's, it's your lucky day. It's all yours. I'm sending the title tomorrow. And you're like, I own my house? I don't I've never owned a house all. I mean, maybe I will one day, but I can't imagine what that would feel like. That sounds amazing. Those things sound pretty good. But we're not done yet. Your cars paid off. Any other outstanding things? Medical bills? Any medical bill people? It's like Children's Mercy just said, you're done. You don't need to send, send, send that $130 in for the next 400 years. You don't need to do that anymore. You're done. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm done. <laughs> and you think we're done. We're not done yet. You know why? Because a lot of those companies have no judgment on you. They're not going to come and take your kids away. Like the story's pretty intense. You have a past. I'm going to give you this thing because you, you may or may not have this. But you have a past. 
You have some bookies. You have multiple bookies that you've gambled. And your cost that you owe them is so much. And they've had some grace period, but you know it's coming up. And they're going to call your funds that you owe them. And guess what they did? They called you next. And they said, we're feeling good today. We just got to get a good heist. We don't need your money anymore. We're not going to be chasing you. You're done. Paid in full. Oh, remember that drug season you had where you were selling drugs? The mob calls you, whoever the mob is, but the mob calls you and says, we're not going to be hunting you anymore. You are at zero. The reason I just spent five minutes doing that is because I want you guys to understand what this parable is saying. This guy is free from all debts. He is starting over brand new. That's what God gives us. That's what God gives us. When you put your faith in Christ, God gives you, you do not have to pay him back anything. You are free. Jesus has paid it all. But what does this guy do in the parable? What would you do at 5 p.m. tonight? Would your first thought be going to your cousin who owes you 300 bucks? Would that even come to mind? Of course not. That's why this is a story. But this guy, 28. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt back. Guys, it says he found him. When all those phone calls happened, what the first thing you do is you go looking for somebody that owes you money. That is this guy's posture in the story. He's considering, he thinks, he demands a few months' salary, which is significant. But in light of the story, it sounds wild. And this is why Jesus is telling the story. It's supposed to make us think, what is this guy doing? He even hears his own words back to himself, right? This is intentional, I think, when Jesus told the story. He hears the words. Have patience with me. Those are the very words he just said to the king. Nothing. No heart movement at all. Point number three. We forget our forgiveness. We forget our forgiveness. Jesus teaches, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. He ends the Lord's prayer with, if you forgive others of their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We are to be the conduits of forgiveness to other people. And when we forget our forgiveness, we become the judges of other people. We no longer display correctly God's mercy. Let's continue in the story, 31. When his fellow servants saw 
what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master, the king, all that had taken place. And when his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgive you all that debt because you pleaded with me and you should have not had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do every... Do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother again, brother from your heart. Point number four, there is judgment for unforgiveness. There is judgment for unforgiveness. This story about harshness and jail and punishment is to Peter, who's a follower of Jesus. Guys, as believers... There is something about when we don't forgive, we for sure are the lost sheep, right? We're for sure away from the family. We're not doing the kind of things that family of God people do. Should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? That fog of forgetfulness that we talked about last week Don't forget your salvation that comes at the price of Jesus. Don't forget the zillions. Don't forget the feeling of freedom that your sin is not going to be punished anymore. Because when you relate to other people and you become the judge, something happens where you're judged. I don't fully understand how this works, but it sounds horrible. Either you're not one of the sheep, or for sure you're the lost sheep. And when we see that amongst each other in this church, there's nothing that I know, if you're visiting today, there's no intense thing going on in our church that I'm preaching the sermon. But there will be an intense thing that comes up. And there could be some small things going on that I'm unaware of, that I hope this sprinkles on. But our church will have heavy times we're like, oh, you said that, he said this, and oh, and this. There's like this, this, this disconnection amongst us as a community. We'll probably hear this sermon again. Because we need to learn to forgive and seek forgiveness. This morning, if you're holding back forgiveness from someone else, Jesus says you're in judgment right now. You need to release that Resentment. You and I, we're the king's servant. We have forgotten the mercy we've received. And just like that first question I gave you earlier, who have you not forgiven? This is what Jesus wants to teach us in the story. It's not seven times. It's infinity times infinity plus one. When you give up your judgment, your, what you receive, what we receive as a community is, is freedom. As I close today, I have some questions up here. Have you accepted the king's offer of complete forgiveness? If you're visiting today, you're in our community, if you've been around a long time, and you've been holding on to living this life in your own work, trying to be good enough for God, Know that the zillions have been paid for by Jesus. 
I'll be in the back. I would love to talk to you about accepting the king's offer of complete forgiveness and what that would mean. Or my phone number's in the bulletin. You can call me. We can talk. Secondly, who are you holding back forgiveness from? What steps do you need to take to freely give forgiveness to that person? What steps can you take this week to tell this person that you forgive them? And maybe, this isn't a promise, restore that relationship. Let's pray. Father, I love you so much. We are a church that wants to pursue you. We are grateful for the freedom you give us in the cross. Jesus Christ, we know that you are the Son of God who has taken away our sin. I pray right now for those people on the minds of your people that need to be forgiven. I pray that as a community, as a, as a friend group, that we lock arms and we help each other live in freedom. It's in your name. Amen.